Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris, and uh, today we're uh, going to talk a little bit about branding. So big companies understand the importance of brands. Today, in the age of the individual, you have to be your own brand. And here's what it takes to be the CEO of Me Incorporated. It's a brand, brand, brand world. And that cross trainer you're wearing, the one look at the distinctive swoosh on the side, it tells everyone who's got you branded. That coffee mug uh, you're carrying, you know, that recyclable one, ah, you're a Starbucks person or you're a recyclable person or you're a Billy Bamboo World person. So brand uh, is, is, is just is wearing all over you and you are revealing yourself in the even the fountain pen or the, the, the type of uh, uh, laptop you buy or, or whatever, everything. Everything is branded, 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 and you are branded, branded, branded by everything. It's time for me and you to take a lesson from the big brands, a lesson that's true for everyone who's interested in what it takes to step out and prosper in the new world of work. Regardless of your age, regardless of your position, regardless of the business we happen to be in, all of us need to understand the importance of branding. We are the CEOs of our own companies. Me Incorporated. To be in business today, our most important job is to be the head marketer for the brand called Me. Me. I am a brand, you are a brand, and we need to be the head marker, marketer for that brand. It's that simple and that hard, in fact, because it's inescapable and it's really difficult. Some companies may take it in turns, buying each other or acquiring very hot startups that catches their eye uh, uh, and merges in the last couple of years of set record highs. Hollywood may be interested in only in blockbuster and book publishers may want to put out only guaranteed bestsellers. But don't be fooled by all the frenzy at the, at the humongous end of the size spectrum. The real action is at the other end. The main chance is becoming a free agent in an economy of free agents looking to have the best season you can imagine in your field, looking to do your best work and chalk up a remarkable track record and looking to establish your own micro equivalent of your own little Nike or your own super uh, business and it's got nothing to do with your name and it's got nothing to do with a logo. If you do, you'll not only reach out toward every opportunity within arm's length or, let's say, laptop's length, you'll, you'll not only make a noteworthy contribution to your team's success, you'll also put yourself in a great bargaining position for the next season's free agency market, in other words, for, the new, for a new job and a new promotion. But the most important thing about this is your brand doesn't finish at work. Because there are a couple of things that people don't understand clearly about branding. And number one is to extremes. If you take extreme, let's say you want to be extremely aggressive in your business life and that's part of your brand, you have to be really aware that that would therefore dictate a relative passivity in your home life. If you wanted to um, be relatively peaceful at home, you might therefore find yourself being a little agitated and nervy at work. The, the counterbalancing effect, because we all have every trait and what we repress, others express. So the, co the 
contradiction of brand is if we go to an extreme with our brand, we may need to have our counterbalancing self, our other half at home. Now, it's not always easy to do that. Um, and therefore, we can get caught between a rock and a hard place, trying to develop a brand at work that stands for success and victory and significance and and coming home and wanting to just strip it all down and be passive and enjoy the fruits of our labor while the people around us in our home life want us to be up and up and aroused about and up and energized because they are exhausted and they need someone with energy around them at home so this whole balancing the brand thing and bringing it home and how to strip it off and separate yourself from your brand at work and and also own a multi-dimensional aspect of ourselves. So first and foremost, let's just recognize brand is is a facade. There is an authenticity about it because every human has every single trait. So we can demonstrate at work certain characteristics that we believe are endemic or systematic about bringing success to the field we want to bring it to. But we need to also own the opposite parts of ourselves. And I think this is where mental health problems can pop up in and why branding or self-branding might have uh, developed a bit of a bad name for us because we've seen people who um, are bravado at work or uh, aggressive at work who can't be passive. I, I think one of the great examples of this is um, is Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Lady, you know, in the British. If you ever see any documentaries or movies about her in The, uh, the Crown, she comes home and she cooks and washes the dishes and she plays housewife. And it's kind of like, well... That's a contradiction between these two individuals, but it's not. It's her playing out the tough lady in one environment and the nurturing, mothering type in the other environment. It's a two-dimensional human being, and I think it's brilliant that she was able to own these two halves of herself. Um, so let's continue. The good news, and largely the good news, is everyone has a chance to stand out. Everyone has a chance to learn, improve, and build up their skills. Everyone has a chance to be a brand worthy of remark, and that's the key here. Who understands this fundamental principle? Well, big companies do. They've come away in a very short time, and my brother happens to be an advertising guru, and he's been part of that whole uh, process of uh, uh, tough love, they called it, um, uh, brutal honesty, they called it, which was to say, what, is the, what, are, what are you really selling here and what are people really doing when they buy your product? Get honest, get real, get very, very brutal in your definition of what your brand represents. Um, so today's brands are everything and all kinds of products and services from accounting firms to uh, shoemakers uh, to restaurants are figuring out how to transcend the narrow boundaries of their categories and become a brand that's, um, uh, let's say, uh, uh, as big as Tommy Hilfiger or, or uh, it's got a buzz to it. Who else understands it? Well, every single website sponsor. In fact, the web makes the case of branding more directly than any other packaged goods or consumer product ever could. Here's what the web says. Anyone can have a website, uh, and I've got about 10, and today, because anyone can, any, everyone does. So how do you know which websites are worth visiting? Which sites uh, to bookmark? Which sites do you go back to? Which sites are worth going to more than once? The answer, branding. 
The sites you go back to are the sites you trust. They're the sites where a brand name tells you that the, vi- that the visit will be worth your time again and again and again and again. The brand is a promise of the value you receive. Now, the same holds true for the other um, um, uh, process called email. When everybody has email and anybody can send you an email, how do you decide whose messages are going to you're going to read and respond to first and whose you're going to send to the trash or, as people do with my newsletter or blog, leave it until um, they accumulate and finally decide they'll read one or two and dump the rest? It's, it's a really tricky thing. And the secret of the uh, process of getting your emails read is brand. And as the name of the website you visit, such as a promise of the value you receive for the time you spend reading the message. Nobody understands branding better than professional service firms. Look at McKinsey or Arthur Anderson for a model of new rules of branding and the company at a personal level. Almost every professional service firm works on the same business model. They have almost no hard assets. My guess is they'd probably go so far as to to rent or lease every tangible item they possibly can to keep from having to own anything. They have lots of soft assets, more conveniently known as people, preferably smart ones, motivated, talented people, and they have huge revenues and astounding profits. They have a very clear culture of work and life, You're hired, you report to work, you join a team, you immediately start figuring out how to deliver value to the customer. Along the way, you learn stuff, develop your skills, hone your abilities, move from project to project. And if you're really, really smart, you figure out how to distinguish yourself from all the other very smart people walking around with $1,500 suits, high-powered laptops, and well-polished resumes. Along the way, if you're really, really smart, you figure out what it takes to create a distinctive role for yourself, and you create a message, uh, and you strategically promote a brand called you what makes you different start right now as 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 of this moment you're thinking of yourself differently you're not an employee of mckinsey or deloitte or one of the big uh, firms you're you're not a staffer you're not a, a worker at a firm or a human resource in a in a, in a um, telephone company forget the generals. You don't belong to any company for life and your chief affiliation isn't to any particular function. You're not defined by your job title. You're not confined by your job description. Start today. You are a brand. You're every bit as much a brand as Nike, Coke, Pepsi or or the body shop. To start thinking like your own favorite brand manager. Ask yourself the same questions the brand managers at Nike, Coke, Pepsi, or the body shop ask themselves. What is it that my product or service does that makes it different? Give yourself the traditional 15 words or less contest challenge, the brutal honesty challenge, the Chris Walker challenge. Take the time to write down your answer and then take the time to read it several times. If your answer wouldn't light up the eyes of a prospective client or command a vote of confidence from a satisfied past client, or worst of all, if it doesn't grab you, then you've got a big problem. It's time to give some serious thought and even more serious effort to imagining and developing 
yourself as a brand. Please remember this, that people do not buy businesses. They do not buy companies. They do not buy products. They buy you. They buy people. They buy relationships and they buy promises. And ultimately, they buy the trust that whatever you say, you'll deliver. Start by identifying the qualities and characteristics that make you distinctive from your competitors, your colleagues. What have you done lately, this week, to make yourself stand out? And I'm not talking about dyeing your hair blue. What would your colleagues or your customers say is your greatest or, or, or cl clearest strength? And it's not how many push-ups you do. Your most noteworthy, as in worthy of note, personal trait. It's not how big your muscles are or how narrow your waist is or how many sprints you did up and down the beach or how many times you gym went to the gym this week. These things are inconsequential. They only help you deliver one thing, a brand. Go back to the comparison between brand U and brand X, the approach that corporate biggies take to creating a brand. The standard model they use is a feature benefit. Every feature they offer in their product or service yields an identifiable and distinguishable benefit for the customer. We used to call it feature advantage benefit. What's the feature? Well, I'm tall. What's the advantage? I see over the top of people. What's the benefit? Long viewpoint. The customer benefit, feeling of being accorded an individualized attention along with all, all of the choice of a large uh, uh, such as a large department store. So what's the feature benefit model that brand called you that you offer? Feature, advantage, benefit. Oh, done an MBA. Feature, advantage, mm, got smarts. Benefit. Oh, I don't know what the benefit is of my MBA. Well, clients listen in benefit. It's too often people speak in feature and advantage. We need to speak in benefit. This is how we become a brand. Do you anticipate and solve problems before they become crisis? Maybe that's the benefit of your MBA. Your client saves money and headaches just by having you on the team. Maybe that's the benefit of your experience. Do you always complete your projects within the allotted budget? Maybe that's the benefit of the feature of the, of the fact that you've worked for a large corporation before and therefore have the discipline to get jobs done. Your next step is to cast aside all of the usual descriptors that employees and workers depend on to locate themselves in a company structure. Forget your job title. Instead, ask, what do I do that adds remarkable, remeasurable, distinguishable, distinctive value? Forget all your job description. Ask yourself, what do I do that I'm most proud of? Most of all, forget about the standard rungs of progression you've climbed in your career to now. Burn that stupid ladder and ask yourself, what have I accomplished that I can unabashedly bra brag about, that I can bring to the next person? If you're going to be a brand, you've got to become relentlessly focused on what you do that adds value and that you're proud of, and most important, that you can shamelessly take credit for and deliver again. 
When you've done that, sit down and ask yourself one more question to define your brand. What do I want to be famous for? That's right, famous. What's the pitch for you? So it's a cliche. Don't sell the steak, sell the sizzle. It's also a principle that every corporate brand understands implicitly. We're just regular folks. You know what? We're not. Unless being a regular folk is a brand. No matter how beefy your set of skills, no matter how tasty you've made your feature benefit proposition, you'll still have to market the hell out of your brand to customers, colleagues, and your virtual network of associates. For most branding companies, the first step is visibility. That usually means a full flight of TV and print ads designed to get billions of impressions of your brand in front of the consuming product. If you're brand new, you've got the same need for visibility, but no budget. So how do you market brand new? There's literally no limit to the ways you can go about enhancing your profile. Try moonlighting. Sign up for an extra project inside your organization just to introduce yourself to new people. Hang out with the people that you want to become go, uh, or work with new ones. Or if you can carve out the time, take on a freelance project that gets you in touch with a totally novel group of people. In those areas, don't appeal. Try teaching a class at a community college in an adult education program or in your own company. You get credit by being an expert. You increase your standing as a professional and you increase the likelihood that people will come back to you with more requests and more opportunities to stand out from the crowd. Think about the benefit to others of you being you. If you are a better writer than you are a teacher, try contributing a column or a, an opinion piece to your local, uh, to your new company newsletter or to the local newspaper. And when I say local, I mean local. I don't mean it has to be the New York Times. You can, uh, you can also write articles on uh, LinkedIn and the other uh, major social media outlets. Try even making a video if you're good at that. And better talker than you are a teacher or writer, try to get yourself on a panel discussion at a conference or sign up to make a presentation at a workshop. Visibility has a funny way of multiplying. The hardest part of getting started. But a couple of good panel presentations can earn you a chance to give a, a little solo speech and from there just a few jumps to a major address at your industry's annual convention. The second important thing to remember about your personal visibility campaign is it all matters. When you're promoting brand you, everything you do and everything you choose not to do communicates the value of character of brand. Everything, you, everything from the way you handle the phone conversations to the email presentations you send, not one single thing will go past unnoticed. Sometimes being grumpy is uh, forgiven by people around you and you forgive yourself for it a couple of days later but it's never forgotten I know people who've blown their brand out of the water by getting drunk at one Christmas party for their firm we need to manage this brand and the higher up you go in business the more important it becomes to manage and administer this brand the key to any personal branding campaign is word of mouth marketing 
Your network of friends, colleagues, clients, customers is the most important marketing vehicle you've got. And what they say about you and your contributions is what the market will ultimately gauge as the value of your brand. So the big trick to building your brand is to find ways to nurture your network of colleagues consciously. What's the real power of you? If you want to grow your brand, you've got to come to terms with power, your own power. The key lesson, power is not a dirty word. In fact, power is most part badly misunderstood term and a badly misused capability. I'm talking about a different kind of power. I'm talking about the power to influence. It's not who's got the biggest office it's who, or who's got the fanciest car. It's the power of influence. It's being known for making the most significant contribution in your particular area. It's a reputational power. If you were a scholar, you'd measure by the number of times your publications got cited by other people. If you were a consultant, you'd measure by the number of CEOs who got your business card in their Rolodex. And better yet, the number who know your beeper number by heart. Getting and using power intelligently, responsibly, and yes, powerfully, are the essential skills for growing your brand. One of the things that attracts us to certain brands is the power they project. As a consumer, you want to associate with brands whose powerful presence creates a halo effect and it rubs off on you. It's the same in the workplace. There are power trips that are worthy of taking and that you can take without appearing to be self-absorbed, self-aggrandizing, or a megalomaniac. You can do it in small, slow and subtle ways in your team. Having a hard time um, organising themselves, you can actually uh, step forward and help. Volunteer to write the agenda for a meeting. You're contributing to a team and you decide what's on the agenda. When it's time to write a project report, does everyone on your team head for the door? Beg for the chance to write that report because the hand that holds the pen or taps the keyboard, of course, gets to write or at least shape the organisation's history. The most important, remember that power is largely a matter of perception. If you want people to see you as a powerful brand, act like a powerful brand. Treat yourself as you wish to become. When you're thinking like brand you, you, you don't need org chart authority to be a leader. In fact, you are a leader. You're leading you. One key to growing your power is to recognise the simple fact that we now live in a project world. Almost all work today is organised into bite-sized packets called projects. A project-based world is ideal for growing your brand. Projects exist around deliverables. They create measurables. They leave you with braggables. If you're not sending at least, if you're not spending at least 70% of your time working on projects, creating projects or organising apparently mundane tasks into projects, you are sadly living in the past. Today, you have to think, breathe and act and work in projects. Project World makes it easier for you to assess and advertise the strength of brand you. Once again, think like the giants do. Imagine yourself a brand manager at, let's say, Procter & Gamble. When you look at your brand assets, what can you add to boost your power and, and felt presence? Would you be better off with a simple line extension taking on a project that adds incrementally to your existing base of accomplishments, or would you be better off with a whole new product line? It's time to move overseas for a couple of years, venturing outside your comfort zone, even making a lateral move, tackling something new and completely different. 
Whatever you decide, you should look at your brand's power as an exciting and new opportunity, and a way to smash your resume to bits and write a different story, an exercise that you start doing once and for all with the once and for all by smashing the word resume you have an old-fashioned resume anymore you've got a you've got a marketing brochure for brand you instead of a static list of titles held in your positions occupied you and your marketing brochure you you bring yourself to life by telling stories the braggables you get credit for and like any good marketing brochure yours needs to be constantly updated Everyone is saying that loyalty is gone, loyalty is dead, loyalty is over. I think it's a bunch of crap. I think loyalty is much more important than it ever was. A 40-year-old career, a 40-year career with the same company once may have been called loyalty. From there, it looks like a whole work life with few options. Today, loyalty is the only thing that matters, but it's not blind loyalty. It's loyalty to your colleagues, loyalty to your team, loyalty to your project, loyalty to your customers, loyalty to yourself. I see it as a much deeper sense of loyalty than mindless loyalty to a company XYZ, etc. I know this may sound selfish, but the CEO of Me Incorporated requires you to act selfishly, to grow yourself, to promote yourself, to get the marketing to reward for yourself. All, of course... On the other side of that selfish coin is that any company you work for ought to applaud every single one of the efforts you make to develop yourself. After all, everything you do to grow Me Incorporated is gravy for them. The projects you lead, the networks you develop, the customers you delight, the braggables you create. And as long as you're learning, growing, building relationships and delivering great results, you're good. And it's good for you and it's great for the company. That win-win logic holds for as long as you happen to be at that particular company, which is precisely where the age of free agency comes into play. If you're, if you're treating your resume as if it's a marketing brochure, you've learned the first lesson of free agency. The second lesson is one that today's professional athletes have all learned. You've got to check with your market on a regular basis to have a reliable read on your brand's value. You don't have to be looking for a job to go on a job interview. For that matter, you don't even have to go on an actual job interview to get useful, important feedback. The real question is, how is brand you doing? Put together your own user group. I call it the pluckability factor. The pluckability factor means if you're really on track, if your brand is really on track and you are doing brilliantly with your self-growth and your and your professional growth, people will offer you jobs. Brand you will attract a market. What's the future of you? No more vertical. No more ladder. That's not the way careers work anymore. Linearity is out. A career is now a checkerboard. Or even a maze. It's full of moves that go sideways, forward, up and down, crosswards. A career is a portfolio of projects that teach you new skills and you gain your new expertise and develop new capabilities, grow your colleague uh, set and constantly reinvent you as a brand. As you scope out the path of your career, remember the last thing you want to do is become a manager. Like resume, manager is an obsolete term. 
it's practically synonymous with dead-end job. What you want is a steady diet of more interesting, more challenging, more provocative projects. When you look at the progression of career constructed out of projects, directionality is not only hard to track, which way is up, but it's totally irrelevant. Instead of making yourself a slave to the concept of career ladder, reinvent yourself on a semi-regular basis. And that's the purpose of coaching. Start by writing your own mission statement to guide you as the CEO of me, Incorporated. What turns you on? Learn something new. Gaining recognition for your skills as a technical wizard. Shepherding new ideas to the market. What's your personal definition of success? Money, power, fame? Or doing what you love? However you answer these questions, search relentlessly for job or project opportunities that fit your mission statement and review that mission statement every six months, even every three months, even every week with me. No matter what you're doing today, there are four things you've got to measure yourself against. First, you've got to be a great teammate and a supportive colleague. Second, you've got to be an exceptional expert at something that has real value to the world. Third, you've got to be a broad-gauged visionary, a leader, a teacher, a far-sighted imagineer. And fourth, you've got to be a business person. You've got to be obsessed with the pragmatic outcomes of your work. It's this simple. You are a brand. You are in charge of your brand. There is no single path to success. There is no one right way to create a brand called you, except this. Start today, create a brand, or else. This is Chris Walker. You have a beautiful day. Bye for now.